You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, Jesus has for us comfort tonight and every day. That's why he's instituted his church. That's why he's instituted this sacrament. And it's why it is good for us to consider it tonight. What is the sacrament? What does it benefit us and how? And how do we come to it worthily? I would like to, for these questions, these really these five questions, I would like to consider uh, in the sermon tonight the text that Martin Luther teaches us to confess. So, and so we can look at it. If you have your Lutheran service book, you can flip to page 326 and we'll say some of these parts of the catechism together and rejoice in these things. Uh, it was perhaps a surprise that of all the things that Luther wrote about, and he wrote a ton. I mean, it was, someone told me, I don't know if this is true or not, but someone said that at the, with the time that Luther died, uh, that over one-third of the books that had ever been published in the, by the printing press were written by Luther. One-third. You can imagine if you went to the, you know, the German Barnes and Noble, and there's the Luther section, and then there's the everyone else section. <laughs> And of all of his writing, the thing that he wrote the most about was the Lord's Supper. This is always a surprise to me, and uh, and a great joy, that Luther understood that this was, in fact, the great uh, treasure that Jesus has left for his church. So we'll consider these five questions and think about them a little bit tonight. You see on the middle of page two, uh, 326, the six chief parts, the first part, the sixth part of it, wait, the first of the section, uh, as the head of the family should teach it in a simple way to the household. We ask the question, what is the sacrament of the altar? We'll say the answer together. It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. Now, this is a really wonderful thing, that when Luther comes to define what the Lord's Supper is, he basically simply says what Jesus says. This is my body. This is my blood. Now, you all know that there are any number of various different doctrines about the Lord's Supper that float around out there. Our friends in the Baptist church and the Bible churches and non-denominational churches and such teach that, uh, that this is a symbol that it's a symbol, the bread and the wine is a symbol of the body and blood of Jesus. They call the Lord's Supper a memorial meal because the main thing for them is the remembering, that we go to remember what Jesus did. But Jesus doesn't say, take and eat, this is a symbol of my body or a symbol of my blood, but rather take and eat, this is my body and this is my blood. Our friends, the Calvinists, the Reformed, and the Presbyterians and whatnot say that in the Lord's Supper we have communion with the divine nature of Jesus. In fact, they'll use the language of real presence, uh, but by, by the real presence they don't mean the presence of the body of Jesus or the presence of the blood of Jesus, but rather the presence of the divine nature of Jesus. But again, Jesus didn't say, take and eat, this is my divine nature, but take and eat, this is my body, this is my blood. Our friends in the Catholic Church teach that in the Lord's Supper, the priest is offering a sacrifice of the Mass, an unbloody sacrifice, 
to win the propitiation of sins. But Jesus does not say take and sacrifice, but rather take and eat. And so we confess plainly what the sacrament is. Now, this was, I think I've probably told many of you this, that this doctrine of what the Lord's Supper is was really the first thing where when Carrie and I were trying to sort out our own theology, it was the thing that made us question what we were hearing at Calvary Chapel and the Baptist Church because they said there, hey, we believe the Bible literally, but then whenever they came to these words, they said, well, it doesn't mean what it means literally. (laughs) But we confess here, our theology confesses, the simplicity of the word of Jesus. And dear saints, whenever it comes to theology, we have nothing else. We have no, we have no strength. We have no power. We have no reason. We have no cleverness. We have no wit that can lead us to the truth. All we have is Jesus who speaks and he cannot lie. So our theology rests on his word. That's why the next question that Luther is going to ask and you see it there is this. Where is this written? Answer. The holy evangelists Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul write, Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. These words Jesus speaks on the night when he was betrayed. This is the night before his crucifixion. It's hours away from his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, hours away from his being dragged over to the Caiaphas and the high priest and the Sanhedrin, and then before Pilate and Herod, and then back to Pilate. It's only hours away until his until his being nailed to the cross, until his being crucified. Now, the disciples do not know. They don't know how close the death of Jesus is. But we can see from this side of the events that when Jesus speaks these words, he's speaking with an utter seriousness. You know that there's times in our own lives, and I don't know if you guys have been there when you've been at the, at the deathbed of a person, where they've, they're speaking their last words. And we hold those words, we treasure those words, we, we, we remember those words, those last words that are spoken. In fact, uh, there's a time when King David is about to die, that he calls together Solomon and all of the elders and says, these are my last words. And he actually says other words after that, so they aren't his last words. But that's what Jesus is doing here. He's giving a testament. He's writing his will. He's determining what he wants his inheritance to be to you. There, you know, the, um, uh, we've looked at the famous wills of all sorts of different people. In fact, we put these in museums and we see that when these famous people die, you know, they give their kind of golden statues to their son and they give the paintings to their, uh, to the, to the museum and they give their libraries, their books to the libraries and all these sorts of things. Well, Jesus is now writing his will. He's giving to his posterity gifts. And the gifts that he gives are beyond our even asking and imagining. It's not wealth. 
It's not a kingdom. It's not some sort of super insight. It's not, you know, powers or anything like this. Something beyond all of this. Take and eat, he says. This is my body. And take and drink. This is my blood. For the forgiveness of all of your sins. Dear saints, that is your inheritance as the children of God. That is what Jesus gives to you in this meal. Now, this has to do with this third question on the top of page 327. What is the benefit of this eating and drinking? These words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins... Show us that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there also is life and salvation. Jesus is giving all of these things so that you would have the forgiveness of of sins. Now, this is an important theological distinction that we need to make, and I want to try to put it in your minds and, and that is that we distinguish between the way that the forgiveness of sins is one, W-O-N, one, and the way that the forgiveness of sins is delivered. Jesus wins the forgiveness of sins in his death on the cross. Jesus accomplishes his salvation there. When he breathes his last, when he says it is finished, when he, when he suffers in your place, when he dies, Jesus wins the open door to heaven and the smile of God in all of the things that will happen tomorrow on Good Friday. But Jesus has a different way of distributing that forgiveness, of getting that forgiveness to us. If it were a matter of receiving forgiveness, that we would receive the forgiveness of sins by going to the cross, then this is the point. None of us could have it. When you go to Jerusalem, you can't find the the cross There's a hole in the ground where they think it was, but the cross isn't there. There's a lot of people who claim to have little pieces of the cross, but this is one of the greatest Luther jokes where he says, if you took all the pieces of the cross and put them together, you could build Noah's Ark. (laughs) You can't find the cross, but this doesn't matter. Jesus does not distribute the forgiveness of sins from the cross. He has instituted other ways to do that. It's why on Easter, Jesus breathes on his disciples and says, uh, and says, uh, uh, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Whoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven. Whoever sins you bind, they are bound. It's why Jesus, on the day that he ascended into heaven, said, go unto all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And look, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And it's why Jesus, on this night, the night that he was betrayed, takes bread and breaks it and gives thanks and gives it to the disciples, saying, take and eat. And he gives them the cup and says, take and drink. And then he says, do this often. We call this sometimes the Last Supper, and I think it is the Last Supper because it is the last Passover ever officially sanctioned by Moses. It is the last meal of the Old Testament. But when Jesus on this night takes the bread and takes the wine and hands it to his disciples and says, eat my body and drink my blood, it is the first supper of the New Testament. That is intended to go on and on and on until the Lord returns. And it does. In fact, it's why uh, 
63 years ago last week, the founders of this church put an altar here so that Jesus' words, take and eat and take and drink, would happen in this place. Jesus is giving out the forgiveness of sins. So, it's one reason why we Lutherans don't sing about uh, songs about going to the foot of the cross or finding the foot of the cross or being at the foot of the cross or laying our sins down at the foot of the cross because the foot of the cross is not where we find forgiveness. We find forgiveness where Jesus puts it. In his word, in his font, on his altar so that we can have the absolute assurance of his love for us. Now, how can we have this assurance is the fourth question. How can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? Certainly not just eating and drinking do these things, but the words written here, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the sacrament. Whoever believes these words has exactly what they say, forgiveness of sins. The way that Jesus brings the forgiveness to us is by the promise. The promise bound up to the bread and wine and bound up to the body and blood. The promise that your sins are forgiven. And this, and because this promise is so great, Jesus wants us to have the absolute assurance that it is true. How can we know that this is true? This, that my sins are forgiven. Lord, look at all the things that I've done wrong. Look at all the sins that I've committed. Look at what a, a, what a wretched man that I am. See all of these things. And now all I have is a promise. And Jesus says, well, I give you a promise now with a down payment. I'm going to bind up some treasure to my promise and I'm going to give it to you so that you can be absolutely sure that the promise is true and that the promise is for you. And he binds up to these words, forgiveness of sins, his precious body and his holy blood. Do you know that you could pile up all the value of the stars and the world and everything in the universe and it would not even be worthy to compare to the value of what Jesus has given us in the Lord's Supper. His blood, the very blood of God, which shed, wins the forgiveness of all sins. This is given to you freely, all the time, because Jesus wants you to know that when he says your sins are forgiven, he means it. You want me to prove it to you, he says? Fine. Here's my body. Here's my blood. Eat it. Drink it. And know that your sins are washed away. Know that your shame is covered. Know that I smile at you. Know that I love you. Have no doubt at all. And he even gives us these most precious words for you. This treasure is not for the person next to you. The person over there, the person down the street, the person who's bigger than you, stronger than you, more holy than you, whatever than you. No, this is for you. And Jesus wants you to have this assurance. You know, one of the questions that, that haunts Christians, I, I'm, this might haunt you too, I, 
I think I've talked to some of you about it. It's this question. How, how do I know for sure that I'm a Christian? How do I know for sure that Jesus loves me? How do I, how do I know for sure that I'm going to go to heaven when I die? Or that I'm going to be part of the resurrection unto life? How do, how do I know it? And we're, we're, we're tempted to think that, that we find our assurance in, well, I'm a little bit better today than I was yesterday. But you know what the problem about that is? Tomorrow, when you'll be worse than you were today. Or you think, well, I kind of, some, I, I feel it. Sometimes I feel like I believe and I, I, I trust the Lord's word, but, but I'm always doubting this way and that way and I'm never quite sure there. There's no certainty to be found there. Well, that's why Jesus has this meal for you. How do you know that you're a Christian? Because you ate the body and blood of Jesus and heard him say, I forgive you. There's no questioning of that. It happened. It's about to happen in a few minutes from now. There's no wondering. There's no subjectivity. There's no wishy-washiness about it. I came to the font and I was baptized. That's a fact. You don't have to wonder if your faith is too strong or too weak, if you are too bad or too good. It happened. Jesus claimed you. He put his name on you. How do you know that you're a Christian? A few minutes ago, you said you're a sinner. And you know what the response was? Your sins are forgiven. It's true. It stands. It stands against all of the assaults of the devil. It stands against all of the wavering of your own emotions and your conscience. It stands against your failures and against your sin. And that's what it's supposed to do. That's why Jesus did it. That's why he instituted. That's why he gave it. It's quite a treasure. And we say... As we consider it, how can I, a sinner, be worthy to receive such a gift? Well, that's the last question. (laughs) Who receives this sacrament worthily? Fasting and bodily preparation are certainly fine outward training, but that person is truly worthy and well-prepared who has faith in these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, But anyone who does not believe these words or doubts them is unworthy and unprepared, for the words for you require all hearts to believe. Luther was in a culture where the Catholic Church had taught that being worthy to receive the Lord's Supper meant attaining a certain level of purity or holiness. And he says the Lord's Supper is given for precisely the opposite. It's not the well who need a doctor. It's the sick. If you have teeth like Joel Osteen, you don't need a dentist. (laughs) If you are healthy, you don't need to go to the doctor. If you're alive, you do not need Jesus to say, rise up from the dead, come out of there. If you're holy, then you don't need the forgiveness of sins. What makes you worthy to come to this meal? It is not because you are holy. It is not because you are righteous. It is not because you have attained a standard of goodness through your own efforts or some cooperation with you and the Holy Spirit. The thing that brings you to this supper is and only is your sin. The fact that you are unworthy of the Lord's presence is why He has the supper. So that He can take that sin of yours And he can say, it's forgiven. 
so that he can take your failure and he can say, it's died for. So that he can take your shame and say that it's covered. So that he can take you and your weakness and your death and your failure, he can take you and say, I am Jesus, your Savior. And this is my body, broken for you. And this is my blood shed for you, for the forgiveness of all of your sins. So we rejoice. Not because we're good or holy, not because we are overcoming our own great sin, not because we're somehow not going to die. We rejoice that Jesus is good and holy for us. And that He's put, it all, put His altar here. And that He puts His body and blood here. And that He puts His promise here so that He can have you tonight and in the resurrection unto life. May God grant us this comfort. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to The Word of Hope.